Would you pray with me? Father, how great it is in the midst of this Christmas season to come, to come together, to come together, Father, and uh, kind of cross services a little bit and then just to just to proclaim together across ages and stages and seasons of life. How great is our God? And Father, if, if this Christmas uh, season reminds us of nothing else, it reminds us of the greatness of our God, the greatness of your holiness, the greatness of your love. And Father, we just come before you today and, and celebrate that you are indeed the God who is with us. You are Emmanuel. That you have proclaimed yourself and shown yourself to be the God who is for us. And we just, we praise you and thank you for that. And, and Lord, for those that are in Christ Jesus, we know that we have been sealed with your Holy Spirit. That you are not only the God who is with us and for us, but that you are the God who is within us. And Father, we just, we just revel in that today. Father, as we, we are just gathered here in your presence, we just, we just open ourselves to you, to your word to your spirit, to your truth. Father, speak into our lives afresh and anew as we kind of in this, uh, this transition period from one year to the next. Father, just speak into our lives in a fresh way this morning. We love you. We praise you for you are worthy. We do all of this in and through the name of Christ Jesus, your son, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, joining in that. Hope that you had a, a Merry Christmas uh, this year and were able to enjoy some time with family and friends. And, uh, and we're in that kind of in-between time right now. It's Christmas is, is past and New Year's Day is coming. And for many folks, this has been a, this is a week that a lot of folks traditionally have used as a time of reflection a time of evaluation, a time of looking ahead and in planning. And, and maybe, maybe that's been part of your routine, to use those days between Christmas and New Year's to reflect and evaluate and to, to maybe plan ahead. And maybe as you've thought about the year that's coming to a close, maybe you, you reflect on some highs and some lows. Maybe you reflect on some successes and some failures. Of course, as you're planning for the year ahead, you're planning on nothing but successes, right? But the reality is we're all going to experience failures even in the new year, aren't we? Someone put it this way. He said, you know, failing is kind of like breathing. You're going to keep doing it as long as you live, right? <laughs> and it's true. I mean, failure is just a, just a part of our, of our lives. And the key is, how do we deal with failure? How do we deal with the inevitable failures that are a part of all of our lives and all of our relationships? And there's a lot of ways we try to deal with failures, right? Sometimes we try to cover our failures up. Have you ever done that? Yeah, we try to cover it up and maybe somebody won't notice or it won't be that big a deal or somehow we'll, we'll get by with it. And one of my all-time favorite cover-up stories comes from a couple of guys laying carpet. You've probably heard it. I've shared this with some of you before, but... These guys had one of those big jobs. It was a big home, and they were laying carpet, and it was a huge room, and there were lots of intricate cuts they were having to make. And it, it was just, it was one of those very challenging, very difficult jobs. And they, they finally got it all done and all pulled and, and uh, tacked down, and everything looked good. And, and they were gathering stuff up, and, and, and they looked. And there in the middle of the room was just this little itty bitty hump. Oh, man, 
We don't want to tear all this up and have to redo. Do you realize how hard, how, how hard we've... And they looked, and you know, the homeowner wasn't there. And about that time, they were thinking, one of them tapped his pocket. And he realized his cigarettes weren't there. That's, you, you know, he put two and two together, right? And so he came up with this brilliant idea. So they pulled out one of their mallets. And they started kind of just tapping that little lump, you know, and kind of breaking it down and kind of moving it out. And eventually kind of got that thing, you know, it just, you couldn't hardly tell there was a lump there at all. So they got the homeowner and looked it over and they gave the thumbs up and they signed the paperwork and they put their tools up and they finally plopped down in the front seat of their truck there. And as they sat down, he was getting ready to start the engine and he looked on the dashboard and there was his pack of cigarettes. About that time, the homeowner comes rushing out to the, the, the work truck there. Excuse before you leave, have you seen my parakeet? It got out of its cage, and I can't find it anywhere, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I shouldn't have told that at Christmas, should I? <laughs> All right. I mean, sometimes cover-ups aren't a good idea. They just don't work, right? They just... Sometimes they just have a way of showing up or smelling later on, right? And it's just, just cover-ups don't always work. Sometimes we engage in blame, though. That's how we handle our failures, right? I'm not going to cover it up, but I'm not going to own it either. I'm going to, I'm going to blame somebody else. I, I read about a minor league baseball manager. He was, he, he, you know, always kind of had some of these young, hot shot, really talented guys, but many of them hadn't worked on their fundamentals very well because they just got by on sheer talent. And he had one guy, he was a great hitter, but man, he was just lousy in the field because he just had not, he just had not put in the work to master the fundamentals and so he's in center field and and night after night he was misplaying balls and he was costing his team runs and all these things and it was in practice one day and the manager was so upset and he was so ticked off because here's this guy they're hitting balls to him in center field and he just keeps misplaying them and keeps misplaying them finally the manager goes out there and he says i can't believe I've, I've coached you i've taught you i've told you again and again and again i can't give me your glove give me your glove i'm going to show you how you do this and so you get over there and so he puts on his glove and hits some balls out here first ball comes screaming at him takes a bad hop off the turf catches him right in the chin and the lip and he's got a little blood dripping down right second ball comes out and he's he's backing up for it there patting the glove and then he kind of loses it in the sunlight and you got it it hits him right in the forehead right so now he's got a bloody lip and a knot on the forehead one more ball a kind of kind of one of those screamers that's coming out to the outfield and so he has to kind of get on his horse there i mean he's running and he's not as young as he used to be he can't run quite as fast or quite as good as he did and, and, and he gets tripped up on the way and he ends up falling on the ground just at the strategic point where the ball comes and just whacks him on top of the head, right? I mean, the trifecta here. One in the chin, one in the mouth, one on the forehead, one on the back of the head. What's this guy do? He gets up, he takes the glove, and he goes over and he throws it at that young center fielder and he screams at him. Do you see what you've done? You have so messed up center field that I can't even play in it now, all right? Now, I know none of you engage in cover-up or blaming, right? Why none of us would ever blame our spouse or our parents or our children or our co-workers or somebody else for our failures along the way. 
but a lot of folks do. And we could probably give a lot of other bad examples, but what I want us to spend our time on this morning is a a better example. It's the example that Paul gives to us in Philippians chapter 3. And I think this is so important for us to, to, to learn how to fail forward, if you will, because failure is just a part of our lives, but it's also something the enemy uses. The enemy of our souls, the enemy of the advancement of God's kingdom. He delights in using failure. On the front end, he uses the fear of failure. That that he paralyzes us. You can't do that. You can't try that. You can't take that step of faith. You can't risk obedience in that because what if you fail? And he uses fear of failure to paralyze us. And a lot of times we don't move out in faith. We don't move forward in what God's calling us to because of fear of failure. And then that same enemy on the back end will will beat us up. He'll beat us up with our failures on the back end. And he whispers things to us. Who did you think you were? You're a failure. God, God can't use you. Or maybe we begin to hear whispers. Do you think God could love somebody like you after what you've done? He paralyzes us with fear of failure on the front end. He seeks to beat us up with our failures on the back end. That's why it is so vital for us to learn how to fail forward. Look at Philippians chapter 3, and we'll just, we'll just kind of look, and it's going to be a real simple formula, but it's Paul's formula for dealing with failure. Paul's formula for dealing with failure. In the first part of Philippians 3, he's writing to these people he dearly loves, these partners in the gospel, these folks who have ministered to him. He's talking about his life, and he's talking about kind of some of his failures. He was, he was very zealous, but his zeal was so misguided along the way. But God got a hold of his life, and and he had a new direction and a new calling. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind I press on, or straining, excuse me, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is somebody who learned how to fail forward. He did it by, first of all, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Now, please understand, if you go to the verses right before verse 12 that we read, it's obvious he hasn't forgotten in terms of not being able to recall in his memory some of the failures from his past. But what Paul did, even as he remembered his failures, he chose to no longer be controlled by his failures. And you may think that's not a big thing, but I'm going to tell you that's a huge thing. Because there are a lot of folks that not only remember their failures, but they are still controlled by their failures. They're, they're letting the failures of the past determine their, or kind of define their present and determine their future. Paul didn't do that. He said, I'm going to forget those things that are behind. Yes, I remember them, but they're no longer going to define me. And they're not going to determine my future going forward. I'm not going to let them shape my life for the 
the rest of my life. And that really comes down to how we view our failures. And this is incredibly important. And I'm I'm just praying that for some of you today, you'll walk out of this room thinking about failure differently. Maybe thinking about that failure differently. We need to come, and as those who have been touched by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, we have all the reason to view failure differently. Think about it. When we think about failure, we just need to understand they're an inevitable part of being human, right? Even after you come to Christ, you don't automatically become 100% perfect in all your decisions, all your thoughts, all your conduct, do you? I mean, as long as we're still living in an unredeemed world, in in an unredeemed body, we are still going to struggle with sin. We're still going to blow it. We're still going to fail along the way. It's just a part of being human in this world. And we need to own that and we need to accept that. We need to begin to understand that failure at its core is an event. It's not a person. I failed to do something. I failed to achieve a goal. I failed to remember this. I failed to follow through. I I failed in, in, in whatever it is. That was an event. But it doesn't have to define you as a person. Because you failed at an event doesn't equal you are forever a failure as a person. And that, that's part of letting it go, of, of forgetting those things that are behind. Failure is, is, is a moment. It was never designed to be a monument in your life. God doesn't want you building monuments to your failures. There may be folks that, that they'll always define you by your failure. Oh, you were this kind of student. Or, or you remember when you, you messed up there. Or whenever you did. They, they, want, they want you to build a monument to that failure. God wants you to understand that's a moment. That's a picture in a, in a, in a, in a large movie. It's one still frame. Don't make it the entire movie. It's, it's a moment. Don't build a monument to your failure along the way. We need to begin to understand that failure is a bend in the road, but it's not the end of the road. Failure is a bend in the road, but it was never designed by God to be the end of the road. Sometimes we fail and we, we freeze. We, we say, oh, I failed. I, I, I can't begin again. I can't do something differently. This, this must be the end. I tried once. I gave it all I had. That's the end of the story. No, 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 no. It's a bend in the road. It was never designed by God to be the end of your road. Warren Bennis, when doing, doing research, he, he, he talked with 70 of the nation's top performers in, in a wide variety of fields. And he found that they used a different language when they talked about their mistakes and their failures than kind of a comparison group that he interviewed. They used language like this. They talked about, uh, talked about failures or mistakes as learning experiences. They used terms such as tuition paid or detours or opportunities for growth. They understood that failure was just a moment. It was not designed to be a monument. It wasn't designed to be the end of the road. It was always designed just to be a bend in the road. If I'm going to forget what lies behind, I'm going to have to view failure differently. 
but I'm also going to have to, to kind of positively deal with that stuff in the past. And we have such an advantage as a follower of Jesus Christ in this area. And so let me just, just encourage you to think about, uh, about uh, four things that might help you to begin to kind of deal with some of those things in the past. The first is to honestly take them to God. Honestly take them to God. Don't, don't cover them up. It doesn't work. Don't, don't try to, to mask them or ignore them or act like they didn't happen. Just come clean. Come clean before God. It's not like you're going to surprise him with information he doesn't already have access to, right? So why not just say, God, here it is. I did it again. Man, I blew that one. God, forgive me. Just honestly Take it before God. The Scripture encourages us to to, to just come clean before Him. And as you honestly take them to God, own up. Own up to your part in the failure. Now, you know, failure sometimes can be a complex thing. Maybe you had a part, somebody else had a part. There were a lot of uh, things that, that went wrong. Well, own up to your part. You, you, you can't control what everybody else did and how they reacted and responded, but you can what you did. And that's what you've got to own. You you don't have to to come before the Father and take responsibility for what everybody else said or did. But you need to come before Him and own your part. This is what I did. This is what I chose. This is how I thought about this. I'm not going to blame somebody else. I'm not going to try to cover it up. I'm going to own my part in this failure. And then as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have the privilege of accepting his forgiveness. Accept his forgiveness. The Bible encourages us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That that I can be forgiven. I don't have to carry that around the rest of my life as this this black mark against me, but but that God God is cleansed. God is forgiven. God has wiped the slate clean. He no longer holds this against me because Jesus Christ paid it all. Jesus Christ paid the debt for me. And so I can accept his forgiveness. And then it may very well be that part of forgetting what lies behind is not only accepting forgiveness from God, but it is also about clearing up. Clearing up any barriers between yourselves and others. See, sometimes our failure does, doesn't just affect me, doesn't just affect my relationship with God, but it affects other people as well. And so a part of, part of putting it behind me, part of forgetting what is behind, what lies behind, is maybe going to another person and say, I need you to forgive me. I blew that. I screwed that one up. I own that. I don't excuse it. I don't cover it up. I'm not blaming anybody else. I need you to forgive me. I'm going to ask for you to extend some grace toward me on this one. And again, you can't control how they respond, what they do or what they don't do. But you can go as far as is possible with you to clear up, to clear up any offense, any barriers between yourself and another. 
Forgetting what lies behind, it begins by how we view failure. How am I thinking about, how am I viewing these failures in my life? And then, uh, what do I need to do? How do I need to take it to God? What do I need to do in communicating with other people? But that's only the first part of the formula, forgetting what lies behind. But Paul also said, reach forward reach forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind, but reaching forward. He uses the word word straining toward that which is ahead. This, this, this reaching, this stretching, this effort, this energy. I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm not going to let my past continue to define me, and I'm sure not going to let it determine my future. Well, how do I reach for what lies ahead? Well, it begins again by realizing that God uses cracked pots. Aren't you glad? (laughs) You know, God uses cracked pots, right? Things that we tend to throw away and discard. You know, we live live in a world that just—everything seems to be disposable, Right? And you don't repair stuff, you just replace it because it's so doggone expensive to, to repair it. So you just, you just get a new one. Yeah. We throw things out. We dispose of it. If we're not careful, we can bring that same mentality to people. We can bring that same mentality to ourselves. That I blew it. That I'm not usable anymore. But God specializes in using cracked pots and damaged goods and people whose past are checkered along the way. I love the way Chuck Swindoll talked about it. He said, when God forgives, he forgets. He is not only willing, but pleased to use any vessel just as long as it is clean today. Don't let your past define you. Don't let it determine what you're going to reach for in the future. Allow God to say, God, I want to come clean before you today. I want to ask you to cleanse me anew and afresh through Jesus Christ. And God, I believe what your scripture says, that you used cracked pots. You used folks who have failed and blown it in the past. I mean, isn't that the story of scripture? I mean, go, go to like Hebrews 11, just this, this roll call of some of the heroes of the faith. And you just start going through some of the names there. Go through the Bible and look at the names there. Think about the people that God used in mighty and powerful ways who were far less than perfect. How about Abraham and Sarah, right? I mean, boy, talk about folks that got it wrong jumped ahead of God's plan, thought they had a better way. Abraham, who was willing to kind of sell his wife out to save his own skin. I mean, I mean, these are, these are not always the most heroic of people. God used them. Moses, Moses, who blew it in his own strength, spent a lifetime on the backside of the desert thinking he was finished, he was through, but God was just getting him ready for his next assignment. And God did more through him than Moses could have ever done on his own. Rahab in Jericho. Hardly uh, uh, the, the lady that probably would have been at the top of the citizens list. But God worked through her. On and on and on the list goes. How about David? Yes, a man after God's own heart, but a man who was capable of horrible sin. Go to the New Testament. Peter brash, bold, foot in mouth quite often. 
denied Christ at the most crucial moment. But God wasn't finished with him yet. And oh yeah, the guy who wrote this letter, Paul. Man who was so zealous, but his zeal was without knowledge. And instead of doing the things of God, he was actually working in direct opposition to God. But God didn't say, because of that, I'm finished with you. No. Paul came to understand what I hope you understand, that God uses our flops and our failures. He uses cracked pots. He uses us in ways that are more extraordinary than our failures along the way. If I'm going to reach forward, I have to just become comfortable with that fact that God doesn't just use perfect people. He uses people who will be clean and available to him today, regardless of what was in their past. And out of that, just focus. Focus on your relationship with God. Don't focus on your past. Don't focus on your failures. Don't focus on how you compare with other people, but focus on your relationship with God. That's, that's where the empowerment comes from. That's where the guidance comes from. That's where the desire and the enablement comes from. That's where God's grace is manifest through that relationship with Jesus Christ. That wonderful imagery that Jesus gave us in John 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Sometimes as I look back and realize, you know, a lot of my failures is because I got disconnected. Because I was doing something in my own way and on my own strength. Guys, this focus. Come back to the basics. Come back to the fundamentals. Come back in that abiding relationship with me. Allow me to work mightily in and through you. So as I just accept that fact, God, thank you. Thank you that you use cracked thoughts. Thank you that you use imperfect people. God, I'm just going to come back to the fundamentals. I'm going to come back to abiding. I'm going to come back and focus on my relationship with you. And then, God, help me to learn from my past, but to move forward toward the future. Yes, I can learn from my past even while I determine not to be controlled or dominated by my past. I love the the quote attributed to Henry Ford. Failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. How about that? I have learned something from my failure. Somebody said it's not a failure unless you fail to learn something, right? That, that I have to, have to be able to learn. You've probably heard that, that analogy before, like driving a car, right? You need the windshield and the rearview mirror. But if you only fixate on the rearview mirror, you're headed for a crash, aren't you? And in much the same way, yes, glance at the rearview mirror. Understand what's behind you. But don't let, that, don't let that be where you're going to spend the bulk of your time. Look forward. Look through the windshield to where you're going, to what it is that God has in mind for you. In the end, we need to, to, to begin to understand that failure is an opportunity, an opportunity to begin again, an opportunity to learn something along the way. Let me just 
offer to you two questions that, that may help as you wrestle with, with failure. And the, these have been, when I, when I have come back to these, these have been, these have been helpful for me. And I won't, won't tell you I don't repeat the same mistakes because I'm quite capable of that. But when I come back to these questions, they can be very, very helpful along the way. The first one is simply, what can I learn? What can I learn from this? Well, what can I learn from this experience? What can I learn from this failure? What can I learn from, from coming up short? What can I learn from this interaction with this person that didn't go well? What can I learn from the failure to achieve this goal? What can I learn from the failure to, to, to get where I wanted to go or whatever it may be? What can I learn from this? One of the arts is to begin to view failure as feedback. I failed to do that, so it, the world's giving me feedback. <laughs> I failed to connect with that person. That that person's giving me some feedback along the way. What can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? So that you begin to view failure as it's a learning opportunity. I can learn from my past so that I can be better in my future. What can I learn from this? And then the second question is, what is the opportunity in the midst of this circumstance or situation? What is the opportunity... What's the opportunity in the midst of this failure? And you may say, it's a failure. You blew the opportunity. That's not totally true. You may have blown part of the opportunity, but there may be a new opportunity in the midst of it. It's an opportunity to learn something. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity maybe to get get educated in something that you didn't know that you didn't know. It's an opportunity to minister to people who have failed in a similar fashion. It's an opportunity to teach other people from your failures so that they don't make the same mistake that you did. There are lots of opportunities in the midst of our failures. Listen, you're going to fail, okay? Thanks, Jeff. That's so encouraging. I'm glad I got up this morning, right? Here's my prediction for the new year. You're going to fail, I'm going to fail. We're all going to experience failure, particularly if you're stretching and growing and walking and trying to walk in obedience to God and trying something that you'd never tried before. But there's learning there. There's opportunity there. If you're going to fail, for goodness sakes, don't waste the failure, right? (laughs) And you're going to have it, so learn from it. And look for and seize the opportunities in the midst of it. Learn from my past and move forward toward the future. And let me just give you one more thought about reaching forward. Even as you, as you just remind yourself, man, God's not finished with me yet because he uses cracked pots. As you refocus on the fundamentals of your relationship with God, as you learn from, from, from your, your past, but you begin to, to move forward toward the future, I want to encourage you to harness the power of transformational relationships. One of the things that sometimes happens to us in failure is that we isolate Because we feel like a failure, because we feel like we let ourselves down or we let somebody else down, then we isolate. That's kind of a form of covering up. We try to hide from it a little bit. We sometimes even try to hide from God, as ridiculous as that notion is, right? But we, we can withdraw from other people at a time when we perhaps most need other people. We need to be surrounded by people who love us, who accept us. We need to feel God's grace 
extended to us through the grace and mercy of His people. We need in the midst of our failure to harness the power of transformational relationships. We need other believers to help us to learn the lessons maybe we haven't learned yet or to see the opportunities that we can't see because in our pain and our humiliation and guilt and whatever else we're going through over our failure, we're not able to see it clearly right now. We need to harness the power of those relationships. Again, that encouragement of Hebrews. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are, is, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. When do you need encouragement? When you've blown it. When do you need somebody to stir you up in love and good deeds? When you feel down, when you feel discouraged, when you feel like a failure. But when you isolate, when you disconnect from community, that's when you cut yourself off from one of God's greatest gifts to you. God intended for you to be able to deal with your failures, not just in relationship with Him, but also in relationship to the entire body of Christ, particularly that handful of folks that you, you're, you're walking with one another. You're doing life with one another. You, you, you enter into each other's lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you can encourage, you can stand with, you can, you can help each other learn those lessons, but it's only going to happen as you harness the power of transformational relationships. That's why we don't want you just to be satisfied with sitting in rows. We want you to be connected to community. We want you to experience not only the proclamation of God's truth, but the living out of God's truth in community. And maybe for some of you, a great New Year's resolution would be, this year is the year I get connected. This is the year that I'm going to harness the power of transformational relationships in my life. I love the way that uh, Teddy Roosevelt talked about uh, failure. You've no doubt heard it, seen it, read it somewhere along the way. Far better is it to dare mighty things to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. One of the things that failure can do is it can remove your desire, your willingness to risk, to dare, to step out in faith, to obey God boldly. Don't let the fear of failure keep you from daring greatly for God. Don't let a failure from your past continue to define your present and determine your future. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear that God can't use you because of whatever it is in your past. God delights in using men and women who will take him at his word, who will trust him even with their failures, who will come clean before him and experience the cleansing of Christ Jesus, who will walk in a renewed walk with Jesus Christ and who will dare to step out in obedience. Not that they'll always get it perfect, always do it right, but even when they fail, they learn 
And they seize the opportunities in the midst of it along the way, empowered by transformational relationships with Jesus Christ and with others. As we think about this transition, this period of evaluation and reflection, the reality for all of us is that failure is not optional. It's not like you can say, I I just, 2016, no failures. I'm not going to have any this year. Not going to happen. Failure is not optional. It is inevitable. The only question really is, is how will we respond? How will we respond? Will we lay down? Will we give up? Will we hide? Or will we get up, dust off, learn a few lessons, and press on? forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is head. Let me give you Paul's words one more time. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, listen, don't you give up on God and don't you give up on you because I'm here to tell you that God hasn't given up on you. God isn't through with you yet. No matter what's been in your past or what failures might even be ahead in your future, God hasn't given up on you. Don't you give up on him. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer, can we? Father, thank you. Thank you that you know us, past, present, and future. Thank you that nothing shocks you, nothing surprises you. Father, there, there's nothing in our lives that, 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 that you don't already know about. There's nothing in our lives that you can't use. You can't use to shape us, to mold us, to, 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 to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. There's nothing in our life that, that, that you can't use that even for a platform of, of ministry, a platform in which you'll be glorified and, and you'll bring good into the lives of people. And, and so, Father, we, just, we praise you for that today. Lord, we, we just come before you as folks who have failed. And, Father, folks that... We just know as long as we're in this sin-scarred world, we're going to blow it again. But, Father, thank you. Thank you that in Jesus Christ that doesn't have to define us, and it does not have to determine the rest of our lives. Oh, Father, I just pray today. I pray, Lord, that there may be one here that will just come to you today. They'll come to you with their past. They'll come to you uh, just in their present. They'll come to you surrendering their future. They'll come today, coming clean before you. Lord, just, just acknowledging and admitting their failures and accepting the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy that only comes through Jesus Christ. Father, I just, I, I want to pray for your children here today. Lord, I, I pray, I pray, Lord, that, that you would just enable us, even as we reflect on a year past and think about a year to come, Lord, that you'd help us to forget what lies behind and to strain and to reach forward in all your strength to what lies ahead and I'm just going to ask you right now if you would just just continue in an attitude of prayer and 
we're just coming to that point in the service that sometimes we just call that the so what section of our service. You've heard the what. You've heard the, the, the proclamation of God's word. You've heard Paul's formula for dealing with failure. So what? So what is it that you need to do? What is your response to him? How are you going to make it personal? You have in your note-taking guide some questions. And I, again, this morning, I'm just going to ask you to take a moment and scan those questions. And just allow God's Spirit to surface one, maybe one or two, to the consciousness of your brain right now. And stay there in the presence of God. So why has God brought that question to your mind? So what are you going to do as you answer that question in His presence? So you just continue to pray and respond to God. I'm going to invite you to find that connect card that Shannon mentioned at the first of the service. and Maybe there's just something that you need us to to partner with you in prayer around. And you may want to just take a moment and jot that down. Maybe there's just a, a very specific next step that you need to take. There's some suggested ones there. There may be one that's not there. You just need to write it down and say, Pastor Jeff, staff, would you, would you just pray for me and just help me as I take this next step in obedience? And as you just continue to respond to God, continue to make appropriate notations on a connect card.